What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm delighted, I've been la-di-da-din Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top Man, these boys, they be potting I trust them like a lot And they told me that I get it Guess what? I got it You should do it too You will never lose If you ever do Must have been a ruse Ricky, that's my dude Stoops is super cool Sharks up in the pool I've been sparking up my tools I've been looking to win Spend a little again I've been first fiddled it in my God, I riddled again. I told them stop clowning around. They said what goes up comes down. I said I'm down with the sickness. My team stay ill now. Come get this. I'm just so David and light. I stay ready tonight. Deep dive, we rise. That's the melee, alright? D- David the light. D- David the light. Da 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 David the light. Hey. Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Delight brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are excited to talk about the returning Pac-12. As always, I am joined by the biggest fan of Kellen Mond in the history of the world, Mr. Stoops. How are you today? I'm good. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm recovered a little bit. A little bit. It's just going to kick back in today. But... Um... Yeah, before we talk about all that, um, no, I'm excited about the the Pac-12. I mean, you know, it was at first we had a couple conferences and, you know, it was kind of like, all right, we've at least got some form of college football, so we'll take it. And then it became, you know, like, oh, Big Ten, Pac-12, and everyone started coming back finally. So when I know that even like, you know, the FCS schools, like they've been playing, you know, if, I guess if they chose to kind of thing. So um, it's exciting. I'm glad that we're getting more teams, albeit limited capacity, but I'll take five, six, seven games over zero games. So I'm excited about it. A lot of talent in the Pac-12, obviously. Um, some guys we're going to talk about this week. So, um, And one guy that you just informed me, surprisingly, you're not going to talk about, which <laughs> yeah. is fine. But we'll hear we'll hear his name 700 times this year, probably in the first three weeks. But no, it's exciting. Glad the Pac-12's back. So definitely excited to dive into some guys. Last week was the kickoff of the SEC, and before we talk about the Pac-12, we've got some strong feelings. Before we kind of let uh, Stoops have the floor for a second, um, some big-time things happened last week. Obviously, Mississippi State came out guns a-blazing, upset LSU, even though in my mind it wasn't that much Mm -hmm. of a surprise considering LSU literally lost their entire team. But at the same time, the way they played was kind of a shock. KJ Costello came out and threw for 600 and 23 yards and five touchdowns against them. Uh, Kylan Hill looked fantastic coming out of the backfield as well. Uh, that was a big-time game. Kyle Trask 
Mr. Stoops, the president of, of that fan club. Um, Mr. Trask came out looking uh, fantastic as well. Kentucky came out flat. Um, Alabama looked like Alabama. Najee Harris is just a monster. He's just a monster. Jalen Waddle as well. That team looks good. Um, there was a, a couple other things. Ole Miss came out. I was surprised with their offense. They played very good mm-hmm. offense. I'm concerned about Florida's defense on that side of the thing. Georgia looked interesting for a couple quarters, and then they kind of turned the gas on. Eric Gray looked good. But, Mr. <laughs> Toops, Texas A&M versus Vanderbilt, 17-12, to 12, you guys. Won five fumbles. For some reason, Isaiah Spiller only had eight carries, and Damon Damas didn't even see the football field. So before we dive into the Pac-12, I'm going to let you have the floor, my friend. You know, it's it's... I, I obviously I'm a big AM fan, obviously. We all know that, right? I have I still have high hopes for the season. It's the first game. I get it, right? I get it. In a in a weird offseason. But to come out against Vanderbilt of all teams, who I will say looks much improved from last year, but they're still not to that level. They're still not there, right? In my opinion, and I forgot his name, I should have wrote it down. Vandy's quarterback, who is a True freshman, at least a red shirt at worst. Okay, looked light years a better better than Kellen Mond in my opinion. Did he make the freshman quarterback mistakes? Absolutely, yeah, kids. Absolutely, he. he, You know what I mean. He had his moments, but I would have if I was a Vanderbilt fan, I would feel more confident and more comfortable than an A and M fan. Like you at least showed you've got something. A and M just looked like dog poop the whole game. The defense was phenomenal in my opinion. The defense looks much improved from last season, but Kellen Mond, I've been saying it for at least a year, year and a half now. Like he's not the guy. Yes, he has the most experience. I get it. And that's what Jimbo loves. That's that's what I'm noticing. Jimbo loves experience, as you should, if they've proven it. He has just been so inconsistent. I mean, he had 60.7 completion percentage last game, which some would say, well, that's not terrible, right? But he only threw for 189 yards. The freshman over here threw for, I think, 159 or something like that. So it's he wasn't too far off, you know. And yeah, I'll be 20 of 29, 150 did throw the two picks, but yeah, I was gonna say he had a few more completions. But Mond had three fumbles and lost two of them. He had a QB rating of 32.2, which was 62nd out of 73 qualifying quarterbacks. And I guess to qualify, you have to have like 20 big play or big impact plays or something, something like that. 62nd out of 73. You've been a three four-year starter, and that's where you're sitting, against Vanderbilt. And then, to top that off, Isaiah Spiller, you said eight. How do you only give him eight carries? You listed him as the starter, and he wasn't even out there on the first. He was not the starter. Anaya Smith started, and I love Anaya Smith. Love him. But he's not Isaiah Spiller, right? The thing, And and the crazy thing about it was he averaged 14.6 per carry on those eight carries. They couldn't stop him, uh, you know. And I'm not obviously real life football is not a video game, but it's like you're playing a you're playing Madden, right? And you're like, I'm gonna try and get a game plan going, and you're running, and it's eight yards, eight yards, and they can't stop you. What are you gonna keep doing? You're gonna keep running the ball. So keep running the ball with Isaiah Spiller, who clearly they just couldn't stop. Now, Anaya Smith was at five point one. That's not terrible, right? Again, a couple carries, he's gonna gain a first down. I get it. It's not awful, and he did have a rushing touchdown, but again, he had a fumble. He did not lose the fumble. That's the key but he still fumbled it. And then Jalen Weidemeyer, that was another one. They just didn't give him the ball, right? He only had two receptions for 19 yards. He was 
basically he, he he is your your leading receiver from last year because Jamon Osmond obviously opted out. How do you not give him the ball more, right? Two receptions. They only converted 40% of their third downs. They could they didn't convert their one fourth down attempt. Um, you know, you don't go for it on fourth down often, but still eight penalties for 50 yards. And again, three turnovers in the fumble, fumble aspects of things. It's just five total fumbles, though. Like, and then the big thing for me, the Okay, the second biggest thing, Isaiah Spiller, right? He's the first one. How do you not play your five-star, super athletic, he's going to be the guy, wide receiver prospect in DeMond DeMoss? How do you not play him? Like, not even one step. They didn't even put him out there and give him one target, make him a decoy, get him on the field. There's got to be something that we don't know. I don't know if it's he's not caught up on the playbook. I don't know if it's... He had because of lack of experience on the game field and SEC. I don't know, but I just find it hard to believe that Jimbo's thinking I'm going to save him for Alabama. Like that's the game I'm going to bring him out. Now, does he have a talent for it? Probably, but it's like he still hasn't seen the field against an SEC opponent, and Alabama's not just any SEC opponent, right? So, I'm I don't know. I, it, I'm telling you, when I, I think I told you three four days after the fact, I was still just like. What did you, and I will I think 90% of the, the, the failures in that game fall on Jimbo. Yeah. He, he took the, in the press conferences, he took it. He said, it's my fault. It's my fault as he should. Most coaches will do that. But a lot of times I'm going to say, man, Kellen just didn't perform or Spiller didn't get the ball, you know, whatever Jimbo and the coaching staff almost lost that game. I truly believe that. It's just poor play calling on the offensive side. Defense looked great. I think they they came to play. Um, room for improvement. But one person that really stood out to me was Leon O'Neal. And a lot of people give him crap because he talks so much trash. And he's just kind of, he entered the transfer portal. He didn't answer the – he came out of the transfer portal, all that stuff. But Leon O'Neal came out to play. He 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 had the heart. Linebackers look good. Defensive line oh, – DeMarvin Leal, old San Antonio guy, right? He looked great. So the defense was fine. It's that offense. They got to figure it out. If they score 17 points against Alabama, they're they're going to lose by 50 points. That's and, just how it's going to go. And that's the thing, like with speaking more on the Demond Demos thing, it, it blows my mind because you're right. This is the first time he's going to get actual live action in college football. So maybe if you put him, well, I'm talking about last week. Should have oh, okay, been. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Last week should have been the first time he had seen some action at all. And what surprised me is not putting him out there. Now you're going out there against one of the best teams in college football. You know what I mean? And you're going to throw him out there. And it's kind of like, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the talent to be just a raw playmaker, which he does. Right. But you're putting him out there in his first suiting up his first game. You could have put him out there for kick returns, something Something. to get him some live action heading into this week. Cause today's game is going to be interesting. Cause if they play the way they played last week, Alabama is going to beat him by 40. You know what I mean? Like period. Um, I'm actually going to watch that game today. I'm pretty excited about it. Well, like you're, where are you going? What? I'm going to a uh, just going to like a bar or whatever. Oh, I was like, my God, you got to get going. Um, <laughs> no, um, it, but imagine this, and I'm not saying it'll happen, but imagine if he goes out there, plays this game, right? Finally, gets him on the field, and he plays four receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Like he did that against Alabama, right? Why didn't you play him last? You know what I mean? Imagine what now Jimbo has to answer to. Is it going to happen? I, you know, that's wishful thinking, but imagine right. if something like that happens and it's like he wasn't ready. Like, come on. So anyway, that, that you know, I could go on forever about it, but it's it's just frustrating. And I know that so many other programs have dealt with stuff like this, but AM has the talent, but this happens every 
single. It's like a Michigan fan, right? Am I right? Huh? Yes. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> You've Absolutely. got the talent. You've got a high caliber coach, but you're just not doing it. You're not getting it done. And it's, in my opinion, and I don't use this often, it's just unacceptable, right? I have no control over it, but you're getting paid the big bucks. You're getting these top recruiting classes. Like, you got to get it done. 17, 15, 17 to 12, I'm sorry. No, come on. Come on. When you're a 31 and a half point favorite, come on. At home. At home. Anyway, I digress. Exactly. Um, I was just as befuddled as you were watching the game, but uh, we're going to transition over to the good old Pac-12. And you know what? I You just you just had a nice little rant there. I'm going to go ahead and kick us off here. You know what I mean? Uh, I was going to talk about my quarterback first. I'm going to talk about my running back first. We got Christopher Brown out of Cal. First off, I've talked about this kid on the show before. I'm very, very, very excited to watch him play this year. 6'1", 218, three-star prospect, 23rd ranked running back in this class, 513th ranked prospect overall. Uh, just a season ago, he had 208 carries, 904 yards, eight touchdowns, resulted into 46 first downs. The one thing that we talk about on this show is being a three-down back, 26 catches, 166 yards and four touchdowns last year. Another thing that kind of stands out right at the back, seven of the 13 games that he played last year, he had 13 touchdowns. Um, uh, you know, stats that you love to see. Uh, red zone production. Um, you know, red zone production, I've noticed with uh, in a trend of looking at some certain running backs, is it's very hit and miss depending on the running back nowadays, right? You know what I mean? There could be a guy that between the 20s is one of the best backs in football, but he hits the 20, you know, inside the 20, it's like he's just not that guy. This guy is that guy. He's got the nose for the red zone. He's got four catches in the red zone, three of them touchdowns. Seven rushing touchdowns in the red zone. 19 touches on goal-to-goal opportunities. Seven touchdowns on nine on the 19 opportunities. You cannot be mad about that at all, right? You know what I mean? You have 19 opportunities. You convert seven of them into touchdowns, especially as a running back. Your volume of carries in the red zone kind of does go up if you're kind of that guy. When you watch him on tape, powerful back powerful god man he hits the holes like you man you love to see it right you know what i mean hard and fast and it's he breaks tackles he's elusive he's sneaky fast he's not a barn burner right you know what i mean he's not these etns he's not those guys but that's okay you know what i mean not everybody's gonna be an ETN, right um he gets the job done he, this guy is not coming down from arm tackles right you know what I mean? that's what i'm excited to see some of these guys haven't been able to practice so i'm going to see some of these did, first off, the first thing I'm noticing week in, week out about the early season of the college football season and even the NFL, practice is killing the the, the defenses right now. You know what I mean? The, ta- the tackling drills matter. You know what I mean? Like right. you always hear like, why do we do 50 tackling drills over and over and over again? Well, we're watching week in and week out why they're important because these guys are just running over guys and they're trying to arm tackle. They're trying to half tackle and it's just not working. He's a beast. I love his size. He's disrespectful with his stiff arms. There was a couple stiff arms on his tape that I was watching, and I'm just like, man, that is just disgusting. Like, you should not be allowed to. He was given the Derrick Henry syndrome, as I like to call it now, because, you know, he just, you know, he likes to um, disrespect guys consistently. He drives. He, he's, he, he gets the ball. You need third and one. This is the guy for you. You know what I mean? He's not going to stop until the whistle blows. He's a hard worker. He's a guy that continues to work on his game. And that's something that I love watching these guys. I would love to see him this season, year two, obviously. You want to see a lot of different improvements. You know what I mean? We're talking about a freshman. You know what I mean? He was a freshman last year. You know, he's coming into his second season. Um, I, I do believe that he has the opportunity to convert into one of the better uh, the better backs in his class coming up. But 
I would love to see him improve upon catching the ball. He did have 26 catches last year, but I would like to see him kind of move into that more comfortable with catching the ball. We talked about guys like Keyshawn Vaughn that went back to try to do something like that. Etienne even talked about how he wanted to go back to become a better pass catcher, even though Stoops and I continuously say, we don't know what he's talking about because when you watch his tape, he's so consistent and so fluent in what he's doing. But that's what I would want to see out of Brown. And I think that's what we're going to get out of him because I really do believe that he has the the want to be one of the best backs in the class. He has a want to be a better back. He has a want to play on Sundays. And for me, that's important. And that's why I love this kid a whole lot. I, I'm ready to watch a lot of these Pac-12 players. There's so much talent in the Pac-12. Um, it blows my mind. Just, it, you know, trying to sit down and, and Stoops, you pick two guys. I pick two guys. And it's like, man, there's so there's a plethora of talent available to pick from. And we look at these guys, and Christopher Brown is one of those top-tier talents, but there's so many other guys that we could talk about here as well. But with that being said, Christopher Brown, somebody that's very high on my radar, especially in Debbie Leagues, and definitely should be on your radar in Debbie Leagues, uh, especially over the next couple of years. Um, Stoops, what do you got for us, my man? So I've got, excuse me, I've got a wide receiver out of USC, a Monroe St. Brown, um, guy you probably never heard of. just kidding. Everyone's heard of him. But no, he was a five-star prospect coming out. Very, very highly touted. 11th-ranked player in his class. He was the number two receiver and the number one player in the state of California when he was coming out. 6'1", 195, um, ultra-athletic. I mean, he, he when the ball's in his hands, he's getting he's getting it done. He's getting plays. Um, freshman season, 60 receptions, 750 uh, receiving yards with three receiving touchdowns. He did have two rush attempts for nine yards. Nothing too crazy. But they're getting him, in, getting him involved, and that's that's what you love to see, right? Do trick plays or do certain plays like that always work? Not necessarily. Um, but it's the fact that they 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 trust him enough, even as a freshman, right, to get him involved in other areas. So love seeing that. Last season, you look at it, 77 receptions for 1,042 yards and six receiving touchdowns, seven rush attempts for 60 yards and a touchdown. Got him more involved, right? So his numbers were absolutely phenomenal. Um, obviously, his numbers will be down this year. So you've got to kind of look at it more at a yards per game basis. You've got to kind of look at it in a different different light. Um, but when you you expand that out and you project, right, we can always do projections, but I'm sure he'll have projected to have another 1,000-yard season. It, it would be my assumption, um, just based on talent and experience and especially having that uh, QB2 down there, um, throwing him the ball. No, Ricky didn't get it. He's too focused somewhere else. <laughs> anyway, um, Against Pac-12 opponents, um, 54, and this is 2019, so 54 receptions, uh, 725 yards, and five five receiving touchdowns. Um, you got to love seeing that. 70% of his catches came against Pac-12, 69% of his yards came against Pac-12, and 83% of his receiving touchdowns came against the Pac-12. I was also curious because he's got a pretty big uh, brother tree. Of football players, right? One of them um, in the NFL, one of them still at Stanford, all that fun stuff. So I looked at it. Equinemius St. Brown, his three seasons in in, in uh, college, 92 receptions, 14, almost 1,500 yards, 1,484 with 13 touchdowns. Love seeing that. You look at Osiris. Hasn't really uh, lived up to, to, the, to the same level. 35 receptions, 467 yards and one touchdown. You look at Amonra in the two seasons, and Osiris has two seasons as well. Amonra St. Brown in two seasons, 137 receptions for 1,792 yards and nine touchdowns. Even with a shortened season for him, 
his three seasons, he's going to he's already he's just got to get more touchdowns, really. But he's already surpassed the receptions, receiving yards from what Equinemia St. Brown did. So I've said this before because I know I've talked about him on, on previous episodes. There's that interview, right? They ask, who's the best brother? And Amon Ross St. Brown stepped up and said, I am. And they all laughed. But when you look at the numbers, now USC, Stanford, like there's there's where did Equinemius go? Did he go to Stanford as well? I don't remember. I don't anyway, remember doesn't whatever USC always gets that 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 top talent, right? So different program levels. Like I get it. I get it. But at the same time, he's proving it, right? He's absolutely proving it. I looked at his stats versus top 25 opponents. Overall, 42 receptions, 532 yards, and four four touchdowns. And that was in one, two, three, six games total. And one of them being the bowl game against Cal, where he had um, nine receptions for 163 yards. Did not have a touchdown, but nine receptions, 163 yards. Even against number nine ranked Notre Dame at that time, eight receptions, 112 yards and a touchdown. So you look at the top ranked opponents he's playing. His worst game was against Washington, five receptions for 31 yards and no touchdown. Outside of that, I mean, he's getting 60 plus yards and a touchdown in most of these games. So you put him out against the top opponents, he's getting it done, right? He's not afraid of the competition. Um, He went to a top high school. um, So he's been playing top competition essentially his whole life, right? He's not afraid of it. And I love seeing that. Um, You watch his film. He always pops off. You, he, he's one of those guys that you say, I'm going to go watch the film for so-and-so, Drake London or Tyler Vaughn's, or I'm going to go watch it for someone, you know, Steph Gaunt, whatever. Thomas. Yeah, whoever that is. And then um, basically he stands out, right? It's just He's just one of those guys. And I just love seeing that. He, he's, he's, great, he's got great hands, great speed. Um, he, he's got great routes. He's able to make, make receivers miss, make defenders miss. He's just one of those guys that obviously we've all, we've all talked about him. We've all heard about him. You're not going to be able to get him on the cheap. He's definitely going to be a little bit higher priced wide receiver, um, in your Debbie leagues, especially in campus to Canton leagues where you're actually getting points, um, for your players. He's going to be a top commodity. Um, he's one of those, if you've got receiver depth you and you need help at running back, he may not be a bad little trade option, right? You don't want to get rid of him. I'm not necessarily saying that, but he's definitely a piece you can use to, you know, gain honestly, a, a Chris Brown plus something, right? It's one of those where you're still going to get points from, from Chris Brown over, over at Cal, but you're going to be able to gain a, maybe a future first or maybe a future something. You can get depth. So it's just stuff to think about as well. But no, Amonra St. Brown, definitely a guy that, as I've said, we've all kind of touched base on. We've all talked about him, but he's he's not one to be forgotten about. Um, and I know with the Pac-12 in, out, in, out kind of thing, people kind of have pushed him to the side. In my campus to Canton Leagues, because a lot of what I've done, um, a lot of the leagues I've been have kind of just said, hey, we're not going to do scoring. So I'm just based on talent, right? I, have, I threw the scoring out the window this year and – drafted simply on on all that so i have a lot of pac 12 guys in a lot of my campus to camp and league canton leagues but i'm not upset about it one bit and i don't remember how many shares i have but i know i've got saint brown in at least like two of my debbie leagues and i'm happy happy about it first thing i want to do is i want to address the slander <laughs> of keaton slavis the qb2 I was, I was letting you uh, have the floor being a very ge- nice gentleman and um, you took the opportunity to bash the best quarterback in the 2022 draft class. The thing about it is, is I'm going to transition into the second best quarterback in the 2022 draft class. He plays in the big 12. 
and that's Jaden Daniels. Just kidding. Um, I like JD Daniels a lot. To be honest with you, I see a lot of similarities sometimes when I'm watching Daniels and Howell. I, it's it's not. Let me explain something. It's not a knock against Howell, but we just no. both strongly feel we both have strong because Stoops loves Slavis, and I love. I mean, I like Howell. I think you know he's all right. But you know what I mean. But Sto- you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I'm not uh, I'm not mad at Stoops for having Howell ranked higher. I'm not mad at anybody for having Howell ranked up. Those two guys, I think, are clear cut you know, head and shoulders above the pack. But I do believe Jaden Daniels is somebody that needs to be in the conversation as well. 6'3", 185, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Four-star prospect, uh, 2019 stats, 20, uh, 205 completions, 333, uh, 338 attempts, 60.7% completion percentage, something I would like to see him work on this year. 2,943 yards, 17 touchdowns, and only two interceptions last year. Very, very impressive. Only two interceptions on almost... 338 attempts. He had 355 yards on the ground and two touchdowns as well. So he totaled 19 touchdowns in 2019, uh, only turning over the ball twice. Here's some pros real quick. He's dangerous on the RPO. One of the best uh, besides Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence has this insane way of hiding the football in, in ways that I think Lawrence has that ability to do the RPO the same way that, that uh, like a Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson Jackson is absolutely sick with the RPO because you never know who has the football, but Daniels is right up there with those guys. Um, he sees the field. Well, he's able to identify what he needs to do with the football in that RPO as fast as humanly possible. It, it is insane to kind of watch the similarities between him and, and Lamar Jackson, when it comes to stuff like that, again, calm down, guys. I'm not saying that's <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Actually, to be honest with you, I think he's probably going to be better. But his throwing motion is quick and compact, which allows him to get the ball down the field with ease. He has a beautiful touch on the football um, that it just makes quarterback lovers like me just melt. It's just when he throws the ball, he has that kind of flick of the wrist and it just kind of goes. And it's just like, oh my God, that is a beautiful throw. And that to me is one of the things that stands out to me um, when watching his tape. His his quick delivery is something that is very, very important in a league of which that you have these super fast, as the football game is changing, these, these bigger and stronger and faster guys. These guys are faster than they've ever been, right? You've got linebackers and you got defensive linemen running four, five, four, sixes now. You know what I mean? That was never heard of. 10, 15 years ago, these guys were just big and bulky on the front floor. But now you've got linebackers. you got guys breathing down your neck. So him being able to get rid of the ball fast is something that is very, very smart as well. His capability of reading the football field is, is something that I love as well. Um, his progressions are nice. Obviously, we talked a little bit. I talked a little bit about the RPO and how he's consistent with that. But whenever he's throwing the ball, he doesn't stare down his options, right? He does make quick and concise decision-making. But at the same time, if it's a pass play, he's going to go through his reads. He's going to find the guy that he wants, and he's not going to take off first, even though he has the ability to do that. He makes plays with his feet. He extends drives with his legs. Watching him play, he's able to escape or elude the pressure and kind of get out there. He's not as great with eluding the pressure yet. Um, I do think that that's something that he can work on. It's something that I don't know if he has that sixth sense that I like to talk about. Um, for me, he doesn't exactly have it on the level of some of these other guys do, but I do think he has the ability to kind of escape, um, you know, kind of like those arm tackle ish. Whenever you've got the defense alignment kind of closing in on you, that's something that I like to see him basically elude that and get out there. Obviously he showed that with the 355 yards in the ground. And remember folks, when a quarterback in college has 355 yards on the ground, that's a lot because 
remember all those sacks and stuff like that are taken away from your rushing yard totals in in college football so which is something i still don't understand nor will i ever understand why it's different in college than it is in the nfl because if that was the case lamar jackson would have like negative 450 yards every you know what i mean like he wouldn't even be fantasy relevant well and it's fun not to interrupt but i was looking at um trevor lawrence's stats for like this season kind of thing he's like negative rushing yards yeah because he's been sacked like yeah exactly it doesn't and it's crazy yeah, but could you imagine like if that was a thing in the NFL, like Lamar Jackson yeah. would have no fantasy relevance. Deshaun Watson yeah. would what? not at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're getting sacked seventy times a game. You you it's know crazy. you lose five hundred and fifty five yards. So there goes half the yards that you gain on the year. So it doesn't make any sense to me, nor will it ever. That's a cons. I talked about earlier. Uh, Jaden Daniels is hundred and eighty five pounds. That is a problem. Uh, especially in the quarterback position, you are not going to be able to be 185 pounds and being hit by the Bosa brothers, by JJ Watt, by, you know, uh, the Waddle, Derek Watt, Aaron Donald, if Aaron Donald, <laughs> Aaron Donald, <laughs> he would just pick him up and just, just snap him, break him in half. You know what I mean? So I, I, he needs to get around. Obviously I want him comfortable in that playing size. You know, that's very important. You know, you don't want him to bulk up and then not be comfortable, not be able to make the plays on his feet, but, He's going to have to do something. He's going to have to have, find a happy medium over these next two seasons. Um, another thing that I would like to be a little bit smarter with the football. Um, please slide, please. Especially since you're 185, please slide. You know what I mean? It, it's it's something that I would I, I urge all quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, I've noticed, has gotten a little bit better on it. Either slide or throw the ball away. You know what I mean? It's okay to play for another down. You know what I mean? We want to see you play. 2020 outlook. Um, for me, this is very interesting because he lost his two best playmakers, right? You know, Benjamin's gone and Brandon Ayuk's gone. Both of those guys accounted for over 2000 yards last year, right? That's a lot of yards left on the table and they have talent, but they don't have Ayuk and Eno talent right now, you know? So they have three-star running back, AJ Carter, that's going to handle the backfield. But I will say DeMonte, uh, Trey Anum is the is a four-star freshman that's coming in that I do believe he's second on the depth chart right now. I do believe he could start seeing some carries. Because AJ Carter, when I was watching, obviously when you're watching Daniels, um, you had Benjamin in there a lot. Mm-hmm. Carter was just okay. He didn't have a whole lot of carries last year, but for me, uh doing some research on DeMonte, he was a guy that I felt like he could lead that next level of it might not be this year. He might get like, you know, share that, 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 uh, the backfield with Carter a little bit, but I feel like he could take over it because like we said, we're talking about Daniels. Daniel's not eligible for this draft. So we've got another season with him next year. You know what I mean? So another year of him and DeMonte together, Frank, uh, Frank Darby is going to lead the receiving crew. Darby's all right. You know what I mean? I, it's nothing against Darby. I just don't feel like he's a, a suitable replacement for uh, a Brandon. Ayuk. Ayuk is somebody that has just insane level of talent. Um, they do have four incoming freshman wide receivers that's led by Chad Johnson Jr., obviously the son of the former NFL player Chad Johnson, um, watching some tape on some of these guys. They've got loads of talent coming into wide receiver position. Again, with Jaden Daniels not just not being able to come out this year and then having another year. So if you give him two years under the belt with these four incoming freshmen, I do think that they're going to have a lot of weapons uh, heading into the 2020 one season um you know once they like i said this is gonna be a weird season i think what do you i think they're playing eight games or something like that it's, it's almost be- just like a, an extended preseason yes <laughs> there's more importance to it obviously for sure but it's almost like it's just an extended preseason let's get to 2021 and then we'll we'll yeah. go from there and it, it sucks to say but that's kind of how it feels for some of these conferences 
Because even like speaking about it, you know, with like the Demond Demosses and these four incoming freshmen, Chad Johnson stuff, like they haven't had the off season to yeah. learn the play. You know, they can learn the playbook obviously off the field, but learn the playbook on the field with the guys. Play, practice, play, practice. You know, repetition. We talked about how important that is. Obviously, these off seasons are showing why they go through the fundamentals over and over again. But that with somebody like him, you know, Kellen Mond, it's different. He's a senior. He's on the way out. So Demond Demos, he, he, it's you know, that connection had to be made and it didn't, you know what I mean? So it's hard for him to have that connection with Mon right away. This difference here with Daniels is that he's got another uh, a season under his belt. I do think that he um, will need to show a little bit more poise in the pocket. I want him to step up. I want him to be a little bit more of a vocal leader this year. I'm not saying he's not, but I do want to see him become more of that guy. I want him to be, I want them to carry the team on his back and I want him to move forward. So like I said, the lack of the off season is going to be really a test of the time for guys like Jaden Daniels. For guys like Keaton Savas, for guys like, you know, these guys that haven't had the complete offseason that are still very young. You know what I mean? These are sophomores. You know what I mean? What Jaden Daniels did, what what Howell did, what Slavis did, freshmen, that to me, it's 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 mind-blowing what they did. But it's keeping it up. You know what I mean? Make mm-hmm. sure you understand that you show that they're not one-year wonders. Obviously, the difference between Slavis, Slavis is playing with some guys that he played with last year as well. So, you know, that's one consistent thing. Daniels is losing uh, his top two um options out of the backfield so for me i'm interested to see what it does i like jd nino's a lot i do think this class is really shaping up to be very good right you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. it's going to be loaded you know so it, this class that we're it, that's coming up which next week we're going to talk about the 2021 uh you know quarterback class it has talent but this one in 2022 man it could be deadly so all right, Stoops, I'm done with Jan- D- jaden daniels what you got for us man yeah so the guy i'm going to talk about um Pretty, pretty brief with it. Not a whole lot has happened, obviously, at the college level for him yet. He's a true freshman. So Daniel Ngata, um, running back out of Arizona State. He's going to be another guy that I think um, Jaden can definitely definitely uh, utilize. He was a four-star prospect. He was the 125th ranked player in his class. The th- number three ranked all-purpose back, which is where I think he's going to slide into that Eno Benjamin type role, right? Uh, will he be the true starter? Not necessarily. But the fact that he's able to catch the passes out of the backfield, I think it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be huge. Um, it gets you on the field. We keep, we say that every single week. We talk about a running back, right? If you can catch passes out of the backfield, you will get onto the field. Um, he was a 13th ranked player in the state of California, which really, if you're ranked, in my opinion, top 10, top 15, really even top 20 in the states of like California, Texas, Florida, like certain states, like that says something, right? No disrespect to the north dakotas but if you're top 13 like you're probably the 13th ranked player in the state if there's even 13 no disrespect (laughs) but doesn't hold the same value so anyway 13th ranked player in the state of california um 5'9 195 so the height you know it is what it is um at a running back position you know if you could be 5'11 you know cool but he can't control that that's just genetics um and he actually got the short end of that stick because um his, his he's got some family right that one of them actually is in the NFL now. The other one's at Clemson. Um, Brandon Ayuk um, is his cousin. So he's got some good family family genes there. And then his brother, Joe, Joe Ngata over at Clemson, um, wide receiver as well. So he's got some family, you know, that's playing some, some big-time football right now. He had plenty of offers. And it always kills me, right, when I see that A&M offers these guys. And they offer a lot of people, right? These, these colleges just throw their scholarships to, to a bunch of different guys. Well, he didn't go there, obviously. 
But he had Clemson, <laughs> A&M, Alabama, LSU, Penn State, Michigan, USC. I mean, you name it. The list just goes on. Like, he had a lot of top programs coming after him. So, uh, being an all-purpose back, obviously, you're going to find your way onto the field. And a lot of these colleges see that. So, when I was watching his film from high school, he's ultra-athletic. He is super-athletic. Great footwork. He's patient with his runs. He has an amazing juke move. The one thing I didn't like about his juke move is when he jukes, he's off the ground. Like 100%, you can see it. It's almost like a hop juke. So it's like he's kind of in the air for just a split second. And at the next level, guys are faster. Guys are going to get to you quicker. And when he would hit that juke move at high school, he'd gain an extra 10 yards after. I don't see that happening. So I think he's got to get a little bit more grounded. It's kind of more of like a slide with it. So he's still grounded. He can go. He needs to work on that. But it was still an amazing juke move. He was quick with it. He made people miss. I already said it. Great in the pass catching game. And one thing I really noticed, and I don't see this a lot from high school running backs, he's great in the pass blocking. Right. Yes, he goes out, he gets his routes, he gets his catches. But there's times he can pick up the blitz. Um, and whether it's the quarterback calling it out so he already knows, it doesn't matter. He gets there, he gets in the spot, and he makes the block. Being 5'9", 195, even if guys running at him full speed, he wasn't being pushed back onto the ground. Like He's holding his ground, he's getting the blocks. And I love seeing that. So it's definitely going to get him on the field as well. We've said that. If you can't pass block, you're not going to get on the field, right? So, um, love that. He did play special teams. He only had 11 kickoff returns or punt returns combined, but he took four kickoffs uh, for touchdowns, kickoff returns for a touchdown. So, he gets the job done, whether it's special teams, whether it's, you know, running back, receiving options, whatever. He gets it done. When you look at his career stats from high school, and I always look at this. So, his senior year, it said he only played 10 games. I don't know if he actually only played 10 games because you don't get the game log the breakdowns you don't, you just kind of get a blanket statement or if it was he only played 10 because he <laughs> committed I, I don't know right, there's yeah, so exactly. many different things that play a factor into it but he only played yeah. 10 games his, his senior season but nonetheless overall 41 games throughout his high school 290 total carries 2434 rushing yards 8.4 <sighs> yards per carry 33 rushing touchdowns he had 100 receptions at the running back position for 1,237 yards and 14 receiving touchdowns. Total of 3,671 yards over the three seasons. So sophomore, junior, senior. So to me, when you combine those numbers together from a running back, those are pretty phenomenal numbers, especially whenever you have over 1,200 receiving yards on top of your 2,400 rushing. Yes, there were other running backs out there we've talked about previously that just blow those numbers away. I get that. But... Those yeah, to still, me are some, those are some great numbers, though. Exactly. For, yeah. Especially coming out of the backfield catching passes. Right. Um, and they had some other um, and actually one of his teammates, a receiver, he's going to Arizona State. I wish I would have remembered his name. I wish I but he wasn't he was like I think the 35th ranked wide receiver in the class. So he wasn't necessarily one of the top, but he's still he's got a teammate from high school going to the college with him as well. So he's gonna have at least that comfort aspect. Um well, we're already weeks into it now, but once they start playing, he'll have some, you know, some guys for support. But I think he's a guy that's really going to find his way onto the field. Um, he's also one that I've heard people talk about him, but not heavily. So if you're in uh, drafts are pretty much over at this point, but if you're able to trade for, you know, some, some pieces, whatever, I think uh, Daniel's a guy you really should look at. I, I think he's someone that can make an impact. Will it be freshman season? That's tough, right? I think now's the time to get him. You're going to get him for super cheap unless someone else is higher on him. Then the price will go up. But I just think he's going to find his way onto the field. I think he's going to be a special talent. 
Um, like I said, he's got the family tree for it. Other guys that, you know, in the family are, are top prospects, NFL guys, stuff like that. So definitely someone to watch, keep an eye on. I think that Arizona state team is definitely, um, was it Herm Edwards? He's, he's building something there. Um, they're not obviously the powerhouse national powerhouse program just yet. Um, and will they get there? Who knows? Right. It's funny. One program, um, Ole Miss and who else? Um, there's some other, oh, Auburn does it sometimes where it's like, they'll be terrible one year. Absolutely terrible. And then they come back the next <laughs> yeah. year and it's like, let's just go win a national championship. And it's like, well, yeah. how do you do that? You know, I'm not saying Arizona State's going to be like that, but that's kind of what it feels like. They're building that program to where it's, they're going to have some top prospects coming in and they're going to be able to get that. And obviously having an uh, ex-NFL head coach, um, you know, out there, that helps, right? He's, he's got some does. knowledge. He's got some, 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 some feelers out there, so. They have the talent, right? They mm-hmm. do. They have some talent out there to really kind of push it to the next level because, I mean, with Oregon, they lost Herbert. I'm not saying that they're not going to be talented and stuff like that. I mean, they do have other guys that are recruiting and stuff, but it's kind of wide open in my opinion. And USC mm-hmm. can never get it together. It doesn't matter how yeah, good looks. It doesn't matter how uh, St. Brown looks. It doesn't matter how any of these guys look. It just, it just so happens that it – you know, happens like this all the time. So I'm excited to be able to talk about the Pac-12. I'm excited to see my boy Slavis play. Folks, do us a favor. Head on over to um, the musiccitydrivein.com. Check out all of the shows on the Drive-In Podcast Network over there. Give Stoops a follow on Twitter at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valero underscore. Um, give the show a follow at the Debbie Delight. We appreciate the continued support um, and listening to the podcast each and every week. If you could do us a favor, if you're listening on iTunes, please you know, leave us a five-star review and maybe even a nice little sweet remark about how you love listening to us each and every week as a comment. That would be greatly appreciated as well. <laughs> um, and folks, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. See y'all later. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.